This episode is brought to you by Buckaroo Boutique, an online destination for modern contemporary women's clothing, sterling silver and genuine turquoise jewels. Curated for comfort, style and adventure, find them at www.buckarooboutiqueoz.com. Welcome to All Things Small Biz, a podcast to help you take the leap and run your own business from someone who has done it themselves and wants to share what they learnt with you. Hello and welcome to the All Things Small Biz podcast. My name is Sarah Hales, your host, and today we'll be talking about how to start a business around a traditionally one-on-one style business. That's a bit of a mouthful. We'll introduce our amazing guest, Dr. Lizzie McCready, our first doctor, and a truly amazing equine vet. But first, before we get into our chat with Lizzie, we'll bring in Brian for a little chat. How are you today, Brian? Not bad, Sarah. How are you? Quite good, thank you. Have you um, had any wins this week, Brian? Yeah, I've had a win. What was it? Was it business related? Probably not. No. (laughs) Well, what I've done is I have secured some free time. For yourself? Yep. How? (laughs) I know where this is going. Well, you said that you were going to a do. Yes, my friend invited me to a Mother's Day function and we decided we were going to go sans children. Sans? Yeah, that means without. Sans. What what language? I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, so I had four, four children. Four children. Between the age of four and two. Yeah, I think they're actually almost three and five. Four children between the age of three and five. It doesn't matter if it's two and four or three and five. It's pretty hectic <laughs> with four of them. And uh, so you, I nailed it. You did nail it. You earned a lot of brownie points from myself and my friend Drew. We were very appreciative of you, Brian. And when we got home, all four were sitting up at the breakfast bar with pen and paper, writing out Mother's Day cards, and it was pretty cute. But you, you do fancy yourself as king of the kids. You entertain them, and they, you have them all laughing and. Whatever, so mm-hmm. you're pretty mm-hmm. good at that. I've got to give that so to you. So, that's a win. That's a win. But hey, uh, what about you? Did you have any wins of the week? Yeah, I've had a great win this week. I've uh, completed the final touches on my new my new course, which is called Mining for Profit, and uh, we've discussed it in one of the previous episodes. It's really directed at all the, you know, underground mining, open cup mining, ports, industry, my general, you know, career area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm up to the point where I'm starting to record the content and I have two clients in that coaching product, which just makes me so happy because really, really fills my cup and I can see how much we're moving the needle for their businesses already in just such a short period of time. I just feel so aligned. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we talked about that. What about West of the Waves? How's it been this week? Oh, the belts have been absolutely flying out the door, as expected. If anybody is looking for a beautiful handmade plaited leather belt, jump onto West of the Waves. We've still got quite a few there. 
I discussed this in one of the previous episodes that uh, I was looking for a beautiful handmade plaited leather belt myself. I'd been looking and looking and looking and looking and I couldn't find one. And when I did find one, I then started wearing it in product photos and photos that I was sharing on my social media. And all of the people on that page, on the West of the Waves Instagram page, started writing to me and saying, oh my God, I love your belt. Where did you get it? And I had this light bulb moment where I was like, of course. Of course, of course, people who follow my page would like that. This is totally in line with their style. So, yeah, it's great to see them running out the door. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And what else is in any funny things you can remember happened this week? Well, we did have a little moment this week where we both looked at each other and we think that maybe our son is going to become a lawyer. Mm-hmm. He ran out uh, from the, the toy cupboard and said, Mummy, Mummy, I found this spoon, spoon from the kitchen. It's a big red spoon that you'd use for, you know. Serving up serving. pasta. Yeah. I said, oh, mate, where did you find that? Oh, it's in the toy cupboard. And I said, okay, well, who put it there? And he said, I don't know who put it there. And I said, um, really? Can You didn't put it there. No, no, I didn't put it there. I think she put it there, pointing to his sister. And then I said, are you sure about that, mate? Are you sure that it wasn't you? And as innocently as anything, it wasn't. he wasn't being smart. He said to us, well, mummy, did you see me do it? And we just cracked up laughing. Mm-hmm. I think he might uh, have a few negotiating skills. He knew we didn't have any evidence and uh, <laughs> it was he, pretty funny. He was getting away with it. Mm, he was he was trying to. I feel like that tells me that uh, he did, in fact, put it in the toy cupboard, but we will never know, I guess. Mm, that's right. Okay, Sarah. Today's topic actually applies quite closely to you, doesn't it? Yeah, it actually does. Explain. Well, I obviously have worked in mining for a really long time and, uh, you know, started out with little experience, but over the course of, you know, almost 20 years now working Mm -hmm. in mining have gained a huge amount of experience, worked in a load of different roles, worked in different states, in different countries. That was just you? It was always just me and I always worked on a, you know, dollar per hour exchange. So, yep. I, you, if you're not earning money if you're not at work. You have to go to work to continue to earn money. So, even after, you know, maybe like 15 years in the industry, I can't remember the timeline, but say 15 years in the industry, I then started as a subcontractor. So, I was set up as a business, but again, it was still just me and I'm still working dollar per hour. Yeah. I did have some equipment at one point in time that I was hiring to a mine. So, that was a little bit more scalable. But I guess when I went on maternity leave to start a family, it became really, really apparent to me that... I didn't actually want to go back to the way that I had been working before. It's not that I didn't want to work in mining anymore. It's just that I didn't want to do the travel. I didn't want to be away from my babies. But I could never really see a path of how I could scale my business so that I could spend less time working in the business 
and spend more time working on the business. So still, you know, create an income for our family, but actually have more time and more freedom to spend with our family. So yeah, this topic very much applies to me and my journey. Very good. So why had you not thought to scale your business when it was just you before you had children? I think that when I attempted or when I had equipment that I was hiring, Mm -hmm. I was actually doing that with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And there were no issues with us doing that, but I moved away from the project that we were working on. Mm -hmm. So, I thought that it was potentially a bit messy to continue down that path because I was no longer there, wasn't supervising it. So, I kind of, I went away from that equipment hire. I think This probably sounds like a little bit of a cop-out, but I think a lot of people will resonate with it. I was working so many hours a week. Like, Mm -hmm. I would work, honestly- 70. 14 hours a day, every day. Mm -hmm. And then I would leave early on a Friday and drive home, but I was working five hours away from my home. I was driving there either on a Sunday afternoon or a Monday morning, driving home either late Thursday night or Friday, working 14 hours a day while I was there. And I didn't have any space in my brain. I was tired. I was working really hard. I was working on quite complex projects. I didn't have any space in my brain to come up with solutions to the problems that I was facing. So, whilst it sounds like a bit of a cop-out, I think it actually took me a couple of years of doing what I'm doing now to decompress to a point where I could get my thoughts, you know, in a line to be able to take action on the direction that I wanted to take my business. Yeah, you sound... Exactly like where I am at. Yeah, it can be quite difficult when you're well and truly in the trenches to figure out a way uh, to make things easier for yourself. And, you know, I think that leads pretty much into why it's an excellent idea to have a coach or a mentor or somebody to talk to because oftentimes when you are in the trenches, you cannot see the way out. And somebody else's perspective or somebody else's experience helping you just to get a bit of direction on the way that you should be heading is, you know, oftentimes people have said things to me. I mean, I have a coach too. You'll find that most people do. And just because, you know, you become a millionaire or a billionaire, it doesn't mean that you don't need a coach anymore. It offers you that external perspective. And so many times I have had conversations and somebody has said, well, have you thought about it like this? Or what if you tried to do it this way? And you get spurred into action. And, you know, just from that simple conversation, you can go off and, you know, make real headway on what you're trying to do. That's right. So, what made you change your coaching more towards mining and industry? Well, I think like I was saying at the start, I guess what's happened for me is that I I couldn't really see a way that I could scale that. Mining has required me to work an hour and be paid for an hour. Mm-hmm. The reason why I haven't thought about it before is because I pride myself on my work. Yeah. And then if I'm to then scale and I need to find or have someone who puts the same pride into their work. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's why I haven't been able to scale. Yeah, definitely. But there are 
procedures, processes that you can put in place to make sure that you are hiring someone. You can put KPIs in place Mm -hmm. to track their performance. You can have a job description, you know, the interviewing process. There are so many layers that you can put in place to ensure that you've got the right person to fit into your business. But to answer your question for me... It's really important for me to, you know, share my knowledge and to help other people grow their business. I think I've realized that I'm extremely passionate about business. Yes. But I always did have in the back of my mind that I was working on two completely different things. Mm -hmm. I'm working on growing a fashion business that I love and jewelry and all of that, which came about when I had my son and I needed a little bit of a project. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, I'm working, you know, on mining projects and helping people with, you know, pretty technical work. Mm -hmm. And I used to sit there and think to myself, why is there this, you know, massive disconnect about my love for business and my love for mining? How am I going to find a way to get those two things to join up so that I can be as passionate, you know, about both? Like I have my my passions about mining and my passions about business. How am I going to bring those two things together and make it a scalable business so that I'm not having to put in 80 hours a week, That's right. but I can still have a really profitable business and have the time and freedom to spend with my family. What advice would you give to someone who wants to start a small business but mm-hmm. doesn't think that their career or skills or trade allows for it or they're just not confident enough? If you really want to move into a space of having um, some extra time or some freedoms to work the way that you want to, then you need to think of a way that you can scale your business, okay? Mm-hmm. Because there's only a finite number of hours in a day. There is a finite amount of time for you if you're selling So many hours, apples on a tree. Yeah, if you're selling hours for money, mm-hmm. there's a finite place that you can get to. So, if you want that extra time and that extra freedom, you need to find a a way to scale. Mm -hmm. If you can't think of a way, you can talk to somebody, you can talk to a mentor, you can talk to a coach. But I think that you need to really sit with it and think outside the box and understand, is there a skill that you have that you could train other people in? Is there a template that you could sell, you Mm -hmm. know, is there a way that instead of, say, even in my line of work with mining, sometimes I write reports, right? So, I might, well, I do bill for the hours that it takes me to do it. But if you are in a safety and health area or whatever, you might sell the document. So, even though the document might take you, it might only actually take you an hour to create that document because Mm. you've gotten so good at doing it that you can repeat it over and over again, um, but you charge for the document. So, the document might be $3,000. It might only take you a short period of time, but ways to charge for the product as opposed to the hours that it takes to create the product. So, yeah, I think you just got to get yourself in a position where you can really start to think outside of the box and understand that there there definitely are ways that you can take what is a traditional hourly-based role mm-hmm. 
and put it into a course, or not just a course, sorry, into a scalable product. But what I was saying, why I was saying that and got tongue tied there is because I think that's a really nice segue into our conversation with Lizzie because she is a vet. Mm-hmm. And it would be traditionally thought of that a vet works on a consultation basis, mm-hmm. which is a time for money exchange. But Lizzie has developed this amazing course where she can not only deliver information to more people, help more people to learn, help more horses, um, you know, to Mm -hmm. be well cared for, but it's a scalable business model for her. So, it's a win-win for, you know, horses, horse owners, and also for her. Very good. All right. Well, we might as well start the chat with Lizzie. Yeah, bring her in. This episode is brought to you by Buckaroo Boutique an online destination for modern contemporary women's clothing, sterling silver and genuine turquoise jewels. Curated for comfort, style and adventure, find them at www.buckaroobutiqueoz.com. I know I briefly introduced Dr. Lizzie at the top of the podcast, but I just wanted to tell you a little bit more about her. Dr. Lizzie is a vet. She's an English girl living in Australia, and she's passionate about all things equine. She is the founder of a business called Empowering Equine Education, where she offers the everyday horse owner expert advice straight from the vet. So, Lizzie, Could we maybe start by getting you to explain to the listeners where you are based? Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for that introduction. It's really good to be spending the morning with you on the podcast. So, I moved to Australia back in 2018 and have been based in Melbourne ever since. That was just something that was calling me here. So, I booked a one-way ticket and haven't happened to leave. So, I'm out in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. I currently live in the basin and I tend to do most of my work around the Yarra Valley area. Oh, how magnificent. Yeah, it's such a stunning part of the world. Obviously, having come from the UK, there's a bit more sunshine, which is great, especially when you're a horse vet because you spend so much time outside. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lizzie, why why vet? You know... What drew you to becoming a vet in the first place? Well, I can vividly remember when I was about five years old, my mom turned around and said, you're going to grow up and be a vet, aren't you, Lizzie? And I was just, it was 110% I was on board. It's pretty much all I ever knew that I wanted to do, which is great. It made school really easy. All my subject choices were already decided for me pretty much. But it was Mm. just that real deep drive. I don't think I ever actually really considered any other profession. Oh, amazing. And where did you study? Back in London at the Royal Veterinary College. Wow, that's fantastic. So, Lizzie, moving through probably your vet studies and experience, you found yourself in hospital. Yes, as in with my person, me personally in hospital with an injury. Yeah, so we're sort of leading into like why you started your business. (laughs) Absolutely. So, my veterinary career, I obviously went to university and studied for five years and I spent about five years in clinical practice, both working out on the road in a hospital setting before then moving to Australia. Now, veterinary is quite a high-paced, high-stress job and Mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons why I love it so much. There's a lot of intensity there. But unfortunately, my my body burnt out. My mind could have kept going, but physically I ended up herniating a disc in my lower back. Now that happened 12 months ago and 
initially I wasn't quite sure what I was dealing with, but as, as things unfolded, it turned out that it was actually a procedure that I needed surgery for. So I ended up in the surgeon's office and he started explaining to me quite abruptly about how I need to start thinking laterally about my career. And obviously for me at that point in time, that was heartbreaking news. It took quite a lot of processing, but actually he was giving me some really good advice. And over the time of where I was potentially rehabbing, obviously I had to take a step out of doing all the super physical equine work and just focus on my body for a while. And I connected with a really close friend called Kamal, who lo and behold to me was actually this super boss business guy. Um, and I was spending time with Kamal exchanging rehab time in the pool for me treating his dog with acupuncture. And we got talking and he kept picking my brains and saying, Lizzie, why don't you start running a course of some sort? And I, I couldn't quite fathom exactly how I would be able to step into that space. I very much just saw myself as a one-on-one client to patient type of practitioner. But Mm -hmm. funnily enough, the morning after my surgery, I can remember it clear as day. I woke up at about 4 a.m. and I had this instant download where all this this information was coming through and it was saying, you need to start teaching horse owners about first aid. So I literally pulled my phone out, jotting down a bunch of notes and just, I managed to pretty much plan my eight week course within the space of an hour lying in my hospital bed. Oh my goodness. So you woke up and like something just twigged in your brain. I know how I can do this. I know how I can continue to work in my passion and train people in equine, but not have to put myself into such a physical scenario. Exactly. Exactly. I saw exactly how I'd be able to use all the skills that I'd already had. And I was already really deeply enjoying that part of the work and how I could actually start applying that in a way which would give me the capacity to allow my body to heal. And So I gave myself a four week break and then I decided to reconvene with Kamal and then I decided just to commit to his initial startup program because I had absolutely no experience in business. I'd always worked for somebody else and Mm -hmm. always worked as a vet. So for me now going into the education space and also working for myself, I knew from the onset that I needed guidance. So Kamal immediately stepped in and took over that role and he's been fantastic from day one. Mm -hmm. And I went through his initial clients program and that's where he essentially teaches you how to create a course and launch it within the space of 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. So my business is really fresh. It only started up eight months ago, but already I've had 20 people through my online training and I've also started offering in-person workshops because as I realized, as the restrictions of the COVID started to ease, I thought this is something I really want to be teaching people in person as well. Obviously, I can't offer that to my worldwide audience, but I can to the people who are local to me. So I've had almost almost 20 people come through the workshops as well, which is great. That is so awesome. Um, Now, as a horse owner lover myself, I think what you're doing is so amazing because, you know, to be the absolute best horse horse owner that you can be, you want to be able to make sure that you're giving them the best care. And before I had met you, I had never really come across a scenario where I necessarily felt comfortable, I suppose. You sort of, if you engage, you think, you think if you're engaging Mm -hmm. a vet, that you're engaging them to come and Mm -hmm. have a look at your horse like you would in a doctor's appointment. You go Mm -hmm. there, they've got the education, they've got the know-how, and then they Mm -hmm. tell you what to do. So if you sort of said to the doctor, oh, hey, can you teach me how to um, do X, Y, Z, it's sort of 
a bit of a gray area. Whereas I think what you're doing is amazing because you're really empowering those people to, you know, make a difference to their horses in that, you know, time in between mm-hmm. whether or not they do or don't need to call the vet and mm-hmm. to know whether or not they actually need to call them in the first place or to keep them comfortable while waiting mm-hmm. for the vet. I just think it's so great. Oh, thank you, Sarah. No, you, you've really hit the nail on the head. That's my exact intention is to really bridge the gap between the vet world and the horse owner world. I owned horses for 20 years before even going to vet school. And I look back on what I know knew then and what I know now, and it's just a huge difference. And it's not that the knowledge or the skills is beyond the capacity of the average horse owner to take on board. It's just that there isn't a vet physically out there offering this knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've come to realize more so over the past few months is that, well, the reason why there aren't any other vets out there doing what I'm doing at the moment is because they don't have the time. Back mm-hmm. when I was vetting, I was very much focused in on helping the world one horse at a time. Mm-hmm. But actually, through the gift of my injury, I was gifted time and time allowed me to have the opportunity to start thinking, how can I be making more of an impact? Like I was obviously when you're on the brink of burnout and you're working, um, all those hours as a normal vet, that's not a question that you can even start to think of. How can I be doing more? But when I had the opportunity to really delve into that, I was like, it's through education because through education and empowering people like you and other owners, Sarah, I can help you take better care of your animals. I can impact horses' lives who have never even encountered, who are on the other side of the world. Mm. And what I can do is we can start actually collectively raising the standard of horse care. Because when we take on any animal, whether that's a horse, a dog, a cat, your fish or a goat, they don't come with a user manual. And there's nothing that there are no boxes that we need to tick as a person in order to show that we are in a position where we can commit to owning them and commit to taking that real responsibility. So what what ends up happening is that there isn't really any kind of quality control going on. Mm -hmm. So what I want to do is really offer owners the opportunity to learn all the skills that they need so they feel really confident and reassured that they're doing everything within their best abilities to make sure their horse is getting the care that they need. Now, it really boils down to responsibility. Now, responsibility can be quite a loaded word. Some people feel quite averse to it, but actually if we break it down, responsibility just means the ability to respond. And I love it. And that's why I've, I've named the course the Equine Emergency Response Training as opposed to just horse first aid because what I'm doing is I'm teaching you all of those first aid skills but also bringing in the other elements that you need to be able to respond properly. We all know yeah. just how stressful and confusing and confronting it can be if you do find your horse sick or injured. So it's nice to be able to have a fail-safe plan to fall back on, to have the communication skills there so you can work really closely with your vet because that mm-hmm. is something that's lacking. Exactly like you said at the start, like we very much put our vets on a pedestal. They come in, they do what they need to do, and then they leave. We don't tend to have much of an ongoing working relationship with them. Yeah. And they kind of feel sometimes like they're just that that little bit inaccessible. Completely. There definitely feels like a gap between them and us. And it's mm-hmm. not that the vets don't want to be having a more intimate relationship with you. It's simply that we're so pushed for time that we don't necessarily yeah. have the extra capacity to stay there with you longer and to teach you how to bandage your horse's legs so that we don't need to keep coming back and doing it for you. Mm. But the issue there is that that separation, the vets are so caught up because we're always going around putting fires out. Well, what if we as horse owners could reduce the amount of fires that even happen? 
And you can do that by knowing more about your horse's health and knowing how to respond to these situations. And what that's going to do in the long term is going to, I'm aiming to really help break the cycle, break this cycle of burnout that vets are experiencing by fixing it at the foundation. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and helping owners. You'll end up enjoying your horse more and you'll have a more fulfilling experience if you're equipped in this really essential health and wellness piece. As as owners, we spend so much money on the right feed, the right tack, lessons, competitions. We have have all this stuff going on, but there's this really big piece of the health health and wellness sector that's just missing. Mm, Absolutely. And horses are a very, very expensive... (gasps) hobby. Completely, completely. So it's worthwhile investing knowing that you're actually protecting all the money and the time and the energy that you've put into them. Because unfortunately, it's pretty much black and white. Horses and emergencies go together like bread and butter. Mm, they do. They <laughs> exactly. Do. Especially when it happens to be a public holiday or as soon as the vet's phone has gone to after hours, that is exactly when your horse will decide, ah, oh, I think I might just run through the fence. Mm. So, <laughs> so being prepared for those situations just really helps reduce how stressful they are. And also it maximizes the horse's chance of making a speedy and full recovery. And that's the main thing that we want. Oh, absolutely. And something that you said there before when you talked about responsibility, I mean, it is our responsibility if we take on an animal to be the best possible owner Mm -hmm. and carer for that animal. But I really love how you break that down and say that it is our ability to respond, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you don't know how to respond, you can't help them. Completely. That's exactly where I then ended up building my online training from. Because I'm like, okay, how can I teach owners how to respond better? And I was like, okay, let's just keep it really simple. So you want to know how to act. So acting is the the fail-safe framework that actually breaks down into how to assess the horse. So when you're assessing them, you're gaining all of this really valuable information that you can then use to make a decision about if you need to call the vet or not. And then you can also relay that to your vet over the phone. So that helps them decide whether they need to come out and see you and whether they need to prioritize your horse above somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Once you've done the assessment, I then really teach people about how to communicate because a lot of us, when we don't really know exactly how we need to talk to the vet over the phone and exactly what the vet needs to know. I've unfortunately had plenty of owners who've called me up in a blind panic and they have barely even remembered to tell me the horse's name, let alone any really valuable information. So mm-hmm. I provide people with an, what I call the SOS script for each type of emergency situation that we go through, because obviously a wound is going to be different to colic. So you need yeah. to have things that are tailored exactly for that condition. But it just takes all the guesswork out. And one of my favorite things is getting feedback from my students who say, so I had the vet out the other day and they were really impressed because I answered all of their questions before they'd even had a chance to ask me. And they were asking how I knew so much, which is amazing. Such great feedback. Yeah. Absolutely. And so Lizzie, from the, you know, just ducking back to the business startup. Mm -hmm. So you said you had no business skills because you had always worked in somebody else's business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how did you go about setting this up as a business so that then you could offer the training and the education? Mm -hmm. So making sure I had really good mentorship, I think, was key. And it's saved me a lot of time and it saved me from making some really fundamental mistakes. Kamal's program is very structured in the way that it tells you to do step one, step two, step three, step four. 
obviously mm-hmm. I had to figure a few things out myself. Okay, I need to register, register for an ABN. I need to record my business number. I need to set up a business bank account, all the really foundational things. But it really mm-hmm. helped having a network of other small business owners who could guide me in the right direction. Yeah. So, and if somebody else was thinking about starting up a business, would you recommend they find themselves a mentor or a coach? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It can feel like a big investment at the start, but I think it's money really well spent. Mm, I totally agree. And that's what I talk to, you know, small businesses that I work with, particularly mm. in the e-com space is that, yes, it can feel like a lot of money, but if you are able to save yourself time or if you're able to save yourself some anxiety or if you get a little push when you need a push or whatever it might be, it actually it shortens up the trial and error time. You know, like mm. myself, I've made loads of mistakes and, you know, learned different things and worked out how to do things differently. And if you can pass that information on, it's almost exactly the same as what you're saying with the education space for the horses is mm-hmm. that you've already done all the study and you already, you know, know all of those skills mm-hmm. and then you can just pass them on to somebody so that they have that exact skill that they need, you know, when the time comes. I just think that that's such good advice because people really need to invest in themselves. A hundred percent. And that is it. That's, that's where my, I guess my biggest restriction came towards making such a big investment in the business is because actually the business is you. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, I'm, uh, I'm investing a, a couple of thousand dollars into myself every mm-hmm. single month. And that's not something that I was used to. But actually, again, that's been such a beautiful process of growth of being like, okay, this is this business is a, such a direct reflection of me that I need to really show up and and be confident in just how valuable I am and what I'm offering. And I need to also, yeah, invest externally. So I've got the support for that. One thing that I've really learned when it comes to coaches as well is that, again, like you said, unless you're unless you're moving in a way that's aligned to you. And a lot of times it actually comes back to your mindset. Unless your head's in the right space, you can push, you can do all of the things, but you're probably not actually going to move the needle. So one thing Mm -hmm. I've really learned is make sure that you're working with a coach who also understands the mindset piece. Because if all they're doing is telling you what strategy to use, you might end up again, just kind of spinning in the mud, not going anywhere because you can do as much work as you want and push as hard as you like. But if your mindset's not in the right place, then you're not going to actually move forwards. It needs to, your head needs to be in line with the vision so that the strategy actually accompanies that. So mm-hmm. much of it is mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And just also dropping back to that, what we were talking about there with regards to investing in yourself, you know, you in your veterinary space and me very much in my engineering space. I was talking to our other contacts, mutual contacts, Sarah, the other day, another Sarah, about the fact that when you're in a corporate space or or when you're in a, a technical space or when you're in a company working for somebody else, they're very big on further education. You mm-hmm. could continue to do, you know, so I'll talk about myself in mining. I finished my degree and then worked in engineering space. I then completed a ventilation qualification. I got another degree in project management. I did first aid trainings. I've done shot fires trainings. There was not a, probably not even a quarter, you know, of a year. Each quarter, there'd be a different training and there'd be different trainings. So, my education Mm -hmm. process throughout my whole career 
I have continued to learn and continued to learn and continued to build. It's not as if you finish your, you know, Masters of Mining Engineering and then you just stop learning, that's it, you know everything. Mm -hmm. It is continual. But when people sort of move into their own personal business, they're, you know, managing the finances and they're managing the time, they're managing the Mm -hmm. people and the stock, but they miss the bit about really investing in themselves and you need Mm -hmm. to continue to learn so that you Mm -hmm. can continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It'd be the absolute same with you in veterinary. You would have finished your qualification Mm -hmm. and then you would have needed to upgrade and there would be a new paper and there'd be a new technique. And Completely. Completely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, exactly the same. We have to do a certain amount of hours for continued personal development every year just to be able to stay registered as a vet. So Mm. you need to be keeping up that standard. And yeah, even after doing my veterinary degree, I've now spent the past two years doing a veterinary acupuncture certificate. And I've got a list as long as my arm of all these different modalities that I want to add in. And again, I think if you're, if you're in that position where you're, you naturally are quite driven, you're always going to be drawn towards learning. But you can also, if you're not being, I think, directed in the right way and guided, your drive will all be going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Like you really need to have someone who's on the sidelines who can see your business from a bird's eye view because we have a lot of emotional attachment to our businesses Mm -hmm. and who can tell you exactly what you're wasting your time on, even though it might be making you feel good and where you need to be investing your energy. So sometimes when you're down in the trenches, you can't really see, you know, the forest for the trees, as they say. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you need to have someone who understands you as a person. I think they need to have your best interests at heart because sometimes when you're pushing and pushing and pushing, you need someone who just is going to tell you to go and have a day off. Um, So you need someone who's got your best interests at heart, someone who really understands how to get your mind in the right position so that you're you're working for yourself instead of there are bits in the background which are working against you. And then, yeah, someone who's also really experienced with all the strategies because the social media world, especially when you're selling or operating a business in that space, you're operating through trying to get people's attention. And people have a very short attention span when they are scrolling through their newsfeed. So mm-hmm. you need to have strategies that do help you cut through the mustard and mm-hmm. really help you get yourself heard and seen. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings me on to a question that I normally ask at the end of all of my interviews. Mm -hmm. You know, in business, we talk about the attract, the convert, the deliver model. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, we need to attract a customer, we need to convert a a sale, we need to deliver on that, and then Mm -hmm. we need to go right back into attracting. So, Mm -hmm. where do you think that you're sitting in that cycle at the moment? Because it really is a cycle, isn't it? It is completely. I'm very much in the attraction space. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because I've actually gone through a recent shift in my marketing strategy because there's something that you'll be very familiar with, pain point marketing. It's quite a masculine approach. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously, we we shine a light on where people are falling short, they're feeling hurt, or they're feeling pretty much a sense of lack. And I was very much going with that approach with my emergency course to begin with and very much kind of focusing on the crisis side. Mm-hmm. But actually, what I realized is that, especially because I'm communicating to a lot of women in the space, a lot of women, we actually get quite repelled by that pain point marketing. So I've really shifted into more of a naturally magnetic form of marketing. And I'm, I'm going to lead by inspiration. And mm-hmm. what I'm going to do is I'm going to demonstrate to people the results. I'm going to show them the feelings that they can experience and really open their eyes to what other people, are, how other people are benefiting from this work. So it's becoming more of a magnetic marketing approach instead of pain points. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm having to really learn how to find my voice in that space. But what's really great is I'm finding that I'm, I'm organically attracting more people in that way. More people are just drawn to the work that I'm doing and naturally wanting to reach out and find and learn more. So yeah, beautiful. I think you've got to find your own unique voice along that spectrum, but don't get sucked into the idea that there's only pain point marketing available. There is the other side of that. Yeah, absolutely. So Lizzie, when you're, you know, we're talking about the fact that to start with, you didn't have any business experience at all. Did you have any experience in marketing? No, nothing at all. So everything that you're saying with respect to, you know, even talking about pain point marketing in a more nurturing space or a more, Mm -hmm. you know, feelings-based space, that's all things that you have had to learn in this journey. Completely, completely. And again, it's come from having really fantastic mentors. So Kamal has been very good at setting a really high example of how things can be done. Kamal Mm -hmm. is very based in the masculine. My friend Sarah has introduced me to another woman called Nicole Sherry Barker, who's over in the States, who is incredible. She is a unicorn fanatic. She went from being a bartender to having a like a multi-million dollar business in about the space of 18 months. And her way or her approach is quite contrasting to a lot of other coaches that are out there. So I've been really delving delving into a lot of her free offerings. And she gives a lot of her really kind of client nurturing tips away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've picked up some really valuable valuable ideas from there. And as we are very similar, I love learning. So this is, again, just another subject that I can start really learning more about. Yeah, and absolutely. It really helps also having other people in business that you can communicate with because each time you start talking about this, you start sharing it and you start maybe advising someone else, that really helps you to embody and consolidate the knowledge mm-hmm. that you're taking on. So there's lots of coaches out there. So you just have to really kind of feel your way through and and really tune into the people that intuitively feel right for you. Yeah, absolutely. So Lizzie, on this journey, and you you really haven't been on this um, journey for long. So first of all, congratulations on being able to help so many horse owners during such a short period of time. I think that you've done an amazing job in building this up in only just eight months. But what would you say were some mistakes maybe that you've made along the way? There are a couple that have come to mind. So, I've definitely fallen into the trap of being busy as opposed to productive. So, yeah, especially being on social media as well, because it's a huge connection platform. So, I've definitely spent a lot of time just connecting with other humans, but doing things that aren't necessarily moving the needle in my business. And all of a sudden I get to the end of the day and I'm exhausted. And I'm like, well, I actually haven't gained any ground with regards to expanding my business in a way that's going to give me financial return. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing I'm learning to do, because it's still an active process, but is to really prioritize just one thing that I know is going to move the needle for me and do that first in the day, get mm-hmm. that done. And then the rest of the day can unfold as it's meant to. And I'd say the second mistake I made was over-focusing on strategy and ignoring my ignoring my state of mind. Mm-hmm. For me personally, going through this business transformation, because it hasn't just been like starting up, it's felt like so much more than just starting up a business. I had to traverse a lot of emotions of grief and loss and the part of myself that felt like I'd been forced away from operating and working in the way that I was used to, like essentially being employed and working as a as an um, in-person vet under another clinic. And it was only when I gave myself the space to really look at those emotions and to really 
I guess, heal that part of myself that still felt wounded, I was always in resistance to where I was because Mm -hmm. there was always part of me that was still holding on and still thinking, this is not where I want to be. But when I actually gave that the space and the time and the attention, it allowed me to really move in and like actually ground in where I am. Mm -hmm. But if I hadn't addressed the mindset, I would still be just pushing away and focusing all my energy just on strategy-based techniques, which... They're only, I think Kamal says, they're they're 3% of the whole picture. Yeah, and they're such great tips really because, you know, for somebody like me, say, for example, who's on the outside looking in, Mm. I think that what you're doing is amazing. I think that it's so smart and clever. It's caring and kind to be able to be, you know, you're not only helping animals, you're helping owners, you're... Your whole vision is to help animals, help owners and make vets less busy with, Mm -hmm. you know, so that they've got a little bit more time as well, you know, Mm -hmm. like rather than just working on one horse at a time, you're working on multiple horses at a time. So for an outsider looking in, it's easy to think, oh, this is fabulous. But when you're the person who has Mm -hmm. suffered a life-changing injury Mm -hmm. and you have had to upend your whole entire life and it doesn't look like what it used to look like, you can be going through a really tough time embodying the change, like really feeling it, like feeling this is where I'm supposed to be. This Mm -hmm. is how I'm supposed to be working. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I have gone through something quite similar in that Mm -hmm. I have had a life-changing injury. I also used to work in mining 80 hours a week and Mm -hmm. now I have you know, I still have the mining side of my business, but I also have the coaching side of my business and also my e-commerce side of my business. Mm -hmm. And I can a hundred percent resonate with what you're saying because Mm -hmm. there can be times when you're thinking my life doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. And that doesn't make it bad. You just Mm -hmm. have to feel the feelings Mm -hmm. and allow yourself to be okay with the new path rather than resisting it. I think that's such good advice and I'm getting something out of having this conversation. Good. good. Yeah, you've got to you've got to surrender. Yes. But you have to you have to give yourself the space because there is going to be a process of grief there yeah. until you allow yourself just to really embody that you're there's always going to be holding you back cuz you're just going to be bubbling away in the background underneath the surface. Yeah, amazing. Amazing tip. When you do surrender into where you really are and you just find that place of true acceptance, all of a sudden like this fire lights up inside of you and you're like, wow, I actually, I know, I know why I'm doing exactly what I'm doing at this point in time and I feel good about it and I'm passionate and I'm ready to move forwards. Yeah, amazing. So we've talked about what some of the mistakes might have been. What do you think is your best achievement to date? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I'd probably say... My best achievement, although creating the online training has been amazing and I've had people join from the UK and and Spain as well, that was fantastic. I'd probably say my greatest achievement was actually running an in-person workshop Mm -hmm. because I've managed to spread the word enough to connect with people that I've never crossed paths with, come along, teach them hands-on skills just in the space of a day. Mm I, Although I'm all of a sudden teaching, it's not something I've ever been educated in. But luckily, it it feels really natural to me. And just getting really good feedback from people at the end of the day and seeing them go home inspired, hearing about how they're now testing out all these new tools on their horses and just how they're feeling like they're they're feeling like they're better horse parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it fills me with so much joy and it just makes me feel like 
I know that I'm making a really positive impact. So I think bringing something alive that was just an idea into reality is an incredible feeling. It makes you realize just how creative and how in control of our reality we actually are. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, Lizzie, what's your best small business hack? My best small business hack would be start your day with a mindset practice. Mm-hmm. So there's a the coach that I mentioned earlier, Nicole. I follow one of her Facebook groups. It's all it's called Unicorns Only Mindset, and it's the first place that I go when I log on to Facebook. So I go mm-hmm. there, and the first thing I address is my mindset. So she'll offer you a prompt, or you might have like a journaling idea, or it might be some form of other physical exercise. But it essentially sets the tone for my whole day. Mm-hmm. And it is it's constant, consistent pressure over time. If you're taking a look at your mindset every single day, you're slowly going to create really positive change until you're at the point where all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm thinking better. I'm being better. I'm doing better. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes this ground up process. So I would say start your day with with that instead of just jumping straight into your emails or jumping straight into your Facebook messages because the knock-on effect can be really huge. That's amazing. And what's next for Empowering Equine Education? So I'm really looking to start expanding the business now that I've proven that people can come through the training and they're getting a lot of value from it. I really want to start reaching out to larger corporations who might want to start working with me as an educational partner because Mm. it has worldwide scope. And I know I've got the capacity to have at least 30 people in the training at a time. So I definitely want to start building it up using the connections of the horse world. And in the long term, what I'd really love to do is actually start training other vets, for instance, women who want to have a break from doing horsework and have kids or other vets who are feeling like they're on the brink of burnout and just want to have a couple of years off and allow them to actually teach the course that I'm running. This will Mm -hmm. allow us again to continue just spreading the network and educating more horse owners, but it also gives a little bit of something back to the vet community because it allows that those other people to have a source of income using the skills that they've trained and worked hard to gain all of their life and while still staying their foot in the door and just being able to really focus on their own well-being for a period of time. So. That's where the growth of the business goes at the moment. You're just such a beautiful and kind person because realistically (laughs) at the base of everything that you're doing, it's all about other people and Mm -hmm. their animals and that's just so kind. Yeah, absolutely. And for me personally, I'm also setting up my own acupuncture veterinary service. So that's, I still want to be doing one-on-one clientele work. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love all of the alternative therapies and really trying again, create this bridge between the Eastern and the Western sides of veterinary medicine. And so that's how I'm going to be spending my one-on-one time because it's really important for me to have hands-on time with the animals and again, communicating and dealing with owners firsthand. But it's great to know that those two businesses should be able to run side by side. And I've got this dream as well. I'm going to be renovating a, a van pretty soon. And myself and my partner are actually going to do a tour around Australia. So I'm actually planning on running workshops the whole way around Australia and potentially doing a trip to Tasmania and over to New Zealand as well. So oh, wow. if there's anyone on the podcast that would love for me to come and they have the capacity to host, just reach out because I'm going to start planning our little stop-off points soon. Absolutely. That sounds so great. Now, if people want to find you, where can they find you? So the best two places are either on Facebook or on Instagram. So you can look up Empowering Equine Education on Facebook 
or the same title with a dot after empowering and a dot after education on Instagram. I also have a free Facebook group called the Horse Health Hub. So I offer lots of free trainings. I jump on and do lives about different topics. For instance, I'm going to go in and talk about colic surgery later on today. And I also get other equine professionals who can come in and share their knowledge about equine health. So we've got like a myotherapist, a nutritionist and a surgeon who come in and do lives. Mm -hmm. So you can either find links to those on the business pages or you can add me directly on Facebook. I'm down as Lizzie McCready and feel free to either shoot me a message if you want any information about how you can start tapping into the resources. And uh, we also have quite a big, we have listeners all over Australia, but we do have quite a big community in New South Wales and in Queensland. So if anybody can host Lizzie on her journey around Australia, make sure you jump on and uh, jump in the group and she can add you to her, have you got, have you got a big map? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've got a list. I've got a, a pretty much a wait list at the moment of venues who are really keen to host a workshop. So I can absolutely add you onto the list. And yeah, I think I'm going to have to get a big map and start putting little post-it notes on it so I can start actually planning the trip around where the workshops will be. Oh my God, that is going to be so amazing. I am so excited. You might not be able to do it in one year. It might end up taking <laughs> you about four years to get your way around. That's okay. It takes as long as it takes. I'm going to make sure that my partner's a carpenter, so he's going to really deck out the van. So hopefully it'll be like a mini home on wheels oh fabulous well we have a caravan and we uh it could have gone two ways with us uh, brian and i it could have gone we're getting divorced because we can't stand <laughs> to be in the caravan together but thankfully it went the other way and we are quite good at it we both have our little jobs and we both have you know the things that we handle and um mm-hmm. we don't have any arguments so that's great good you said yeah you have to just stick to your strengths yes definitely I've that as well i was like matt you can teach me how to do all these different parts i want to help build it he's like nope you do the research i'm doing the hands on things we're just going to stick to what we're good to mm-hmm. I was like, okay all right fine <laughs> <laughs> well dr lizzie thank you so so much for coming on the podcast today i've loved having a chat with you and i hope that if if there are uh, any horse owners out there who are wanting to learn more about how to look after their four-legged friends, that they jump on and find you. Thank you so much, Sarah. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Okay, now it's time for today's wrap-up snap quiz. Yeah. Okay, yes or no? Mm -hmm. Do you... Think scaling business is easy? Uh, No. But after doing your course, it's simplified. (laughs) Definitely. Yes. But, uh, you know, no, it's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Yeah. In the mining industry, I think a lot of people do the small business or or start a business. Mm -hmm. I think the part that they don't understand is the scaling side of things. Definitely. And I think that there is, um, you know, so many people operating on word of mouth or Mm -hmm. on project to project basis. And they're not really taking, you know, they're not taking names or email addresses or contacts and putting them into a container where they can nurture those relationships so that they can, you know, expand and grow their businesses. Yeah. I work for an OEM, and, mm. and um, people come there to get the experience and have the in the in their in their dossier mm-hmm. to say that they've worked for an OEM, and they could do so much more with that. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, would you rather keep growing your business or just get a job? Mm, I'm growing my business. That's that's what I'm doing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a not negotiable for me. I know. I tried. <laughs> I tried somewhere different. I tried to say, hey, you go get a job and I'll stay at home. <laughs> no, no, work. I'll grow my business and then you can stay at home. But ah, no, yeah. no. This or that is the next subject line. Mm-hmm. Will you scale your children into your business? Only or if- Or will you put them into their own business? Yeah, look, I'll only scale them into it if they want to be scaled into okay, it. Yeah, and if yeah. they want to scale their own business, I will help them to do that. Mm-hmm. But I will 150% encourage them to start a business as opposed to going and using their expert skills to work in someone else's business. Mm-hmm. I will encourage them tooth and nail to start their own business, which yeah. probably makes me sound like I'm being controlling. But Tiger I just- mummish. <laughs> And I definitely don't want to sound like that at all. I want the clear message to be here that it is a 100% their choice, but I would encourage them to take all of their amazing skills and knowledge and experience and, you know, the amazingness that is them and build it into something for themselves. That will be what I will be encouraging. Nice. But again, for the third time, it's going to be their choice. It's not my choice. It's theirs. Fourth time. Okay. (laughs) Let's just leave it there. Okay. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to today's episode. I hope you've really enjoyed our chat with Dr. Lizzie McCready. And if you're looking for us, make sure you jump on the website, www.allthingsmallbiz.com. We love hearing from you guys, and we'll be talking to you next week. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Thanks for listening to All Things Small Biz. You can get more tips and find out about all the latest stuff we've got going on at the Ecom Hub on Instagram and Facebook. That's at the underscore E-C-O-M-M underscore H-U-B. Thanks so much for listening. Listening.